0: Once again, it is my distinct privilege to say welcome, friends, in the faith community on-site service, and also to those of you joining us by way of church online. I'm glad to have you with us for this presentation of what I call timeless biblical truth. Actually, I'm beyond glad. I'm full of joy today as as I lead the way into a much-needed and clear-cut message on a subject which was presented from this very podium last week by Pastor Todd. Such an inspiring lesson on the historical, biblical account of the making, the structure, the developing of the church. And so on behalf of all of us, Pastor Todd, thank you. Thank you, thank you. With this backdrop in mind, today we're gonna continue and we're gonna conclude our series of sermons entitled Thrive. And what we've been doing over the past several weeks is talking about how in these times of uncertainty, chaos, fear, and amid so much doom and gloom, we should, and we must, and we can, not only survive, but actually thrive. And this already we learned is surely God's intention and his purpose for every one of us, both personally uh, and corporately as a body. This series has offered you several things that will ensure that you thrive in the difficult times we're now living through. So far we've looked at the assurance of your salvation, and I call those first two messages foundational. Because the whole topic is so strong, so comforting, and at the same time, so guaranteed. And then we turn to thriving in the Spirit, that is God's Holy Spirit. Then thriving through worship. And I really enjoyed myself, and I hope you did too, as we looked at worship, what is true worship. And then that was followed by thrive in the home. That means in the family setting, in the marriage, in relationships, and so on. And so today I want to talk to you from my heart. I want to just uh, spend a moment of vanity here to say I was kind of brought up in the church. Uh, It's been now like about 70 years. (laughs) I was saved and baptized 63 years ago, and I was called to the ministry some 47 years ago, So my heart and spirit are in this message today and it's uh, really all over it. And, And my heart says to you that this is one of the most important things that will ensure our survival and it is this, learning how to survive and thrive, next word is key, together. For without question, someone said, the first banana that gets pulled from the bunch is the first one to get peeled. Well, please listen. Please, please listen to my heart. If we're going to survive, and if we're going to make it, and we're going to thrive, and that's a lot of what we've been talking about, then we are going to need each other. And not only are we going to look at how you personally will thrive, together with the church, but also how Faith Community Fellowship collectively will continue to thrive. Now, as you know full well, it's no secret, that we as a nation, as a people, and more specifically, we as a church body, through no fault of our own, have been subjected to some intense social, emotional, and even spiritual upheaval over the past several months, But no matter what the devil does, or what the government does, or what money is or is not in the bank, or what people do, or what opposing systems do, we are going to survive. And we will thrive. All of which prompted the title for this uh, sixth and final episode of the Thrive series. I call it Thriving together. With that in mind, let's read our text for today, which I know many of you have been reading this past week dutifully as your homework assignment that was given last time. It's Acts chapter 2, and I'm starting to read it, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or doctrine and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe or wonder at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and personal possessions to give to anyone who had need." every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising god and enjoying the favor of all the people and the lord added to their number daily those who were being saved let's pray together heavenly father thank you for this another opportunity to open your word and to be inspired and led by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have taught us the importance of each other. Thank you for the body of Christ here on earth. And thank you that we can be part of that wonderful, vibrant body. Thank you, Lord, today for what you're going to teach us as we open your precious word. We give you praise in advance. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thriving together. Well, I'm going to begin with this disturbing disturbing thought. It's a newsflash. And here it is. Satan hates the true church. (laughs) He will do everything in his power to destroy any and every God-loving Bible-practicing, spirit-led, worshiping, active, alive, on-fire church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He just simply hates everything about the church. He hates it when we sing. He hates it when we preach. He hates it when we teach. He hates when we introduce people to Jesus. He hates when we worship. He hates when we organize for effectiveness. He'll use any method he can to sow discord, to encourage division, To bring derision, to ridicule, to present temptations, to introduce false doctrines, and even to energize people and forces to disrupt the flow of the Holy Spirit's influence within the church family. But hold on, because I've got news for the old devil, and it's this news. Jesus said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. And I stand today to declare that this church is going to not only survive, but also thrive in the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Faith community fellowship is going to survive. It is going to thrive. It is going to reach its potential. And in God's dear name, it is going to move forward. Now, here's the key. If and I underscore this, if, if we let God do what he wants to do in our midst. You see, when you become a faithful member or an adherent, adherent of faith community, or, or you get involved in some aspect of this church's mission, you should understand two things very clearly. One, you are needed Your bodily presence, your material support, your faithfulness, your fruitfulness, your smile, your concern for others, oh, that's great, your prayers, your ministry, whatever that is for you, and of course, your love. Let's all ask ourselves this serious question. What kind of church would this church be if all the members were just like me? Yeah, if you didn't catch that question, and I'll repeat it later, but I want you to hear it again. What kind of church would this church be if all its members were just like me? You see, it makes a difference, my friend, in this church and in the kingdom of God. And I want you to remember this. You are needed. That's number one. Let me read a little story for you. It's short, but it's powerful. It's, it's somewhat humorous, but not meant to really uh, invoke that. Uh, just, just, just let me share it with you. The story goes that the mayor of a small city or a small town was driving through the city square one day when he noticed two city workers doing something rather unusual. Along one side of the main street, they were working steadily. One of the men was digging a hole in the ground, and the other man was filling it back up. And after watching them dig and fill and dig and fill several holes in this manner, the mayor, now somewhat confused and also interested, confronted the two workers, and he asked for an explanation. Well, sir, said the first man, we work for the city planting trees, and usually there are three of us, one to dig the hole, one to plant the tree, and one to cover it up. The guy who plants the tree called in sick today, you see, but he proudly announced to the mayor, but we're here, and we're doing our jobs anyway. I just like that little story. It's short, but it's powerful, and it just shows how some people are so dedicated to their mission that they are going to keep going no matter what. Now, not only are you needed, but secondly, let me say, you need it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. it, the church, needs you, and you need it. Because there is no question but that you and I cannot survive and we will not thrive alone, isolated, withdrawn, cut off, and or disconnected. Cannot and will not. As Rick Warren says in The Purpose Driven Life, we are called not only to believe, but also to belong. And think of how many times the pronouns we, they, and them are used versus the I, me, and mine pronouns in the great accounts of the New Testament. Let's go back to Acts 2 and verses 1 through 4. And quickly I'll read those for you. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. You see, all throughout the book of Acts, it's about they, they, they. And one interesting fact about, uh, fact about the book of Acts is that as the book <clears throat> is being written, and as you follow it along, you will notice some use of the pronouns I, you, and we, and they're bouncing from the first person to the third person and back to the first person, but an incredible use of the pronoun they, 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 they. Then if you start in Acts chapter 16, that's an exciting chapter, down at verse 10, instead of the Acts of the Apostles now being a straightforward chronicle, it soon becomes a personal narrative, why? because Luke, the physician author, begins writing in the first person, saying things like, we got ready, we put out to sea, we sailed, we traveled, we stayed, and so on. Even then, go back to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching and think about the Lord's Prayer and we looked at that uh, just a few weeks ago uh, in Pastor Todd's series. But just pick up these pronouns. Our Father, give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. And then, this is, a, this is a capstone. Look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. He said, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us And gave himself for us. Boy, I love, I love that verse. He didn't say, I am more than a conqueror. No, he said, We, my friends, are more than conquerors. In other words, we need each other if we are going to thrive. In the blessed scriptures, over and over again, we get the picture that there is something that happens when we get together. And I want to again read read, uh, Paul's words to the Ephesians in chapter 3, starting at verse 14. If you will, just let me read these for you. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, unmeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The awesome book of Hebrews also speaks often of the great gathering and the revelation of God, the judge of all the earth. And it makes this point not only to the Hebrews but also to the Gentiles that clearly this whole matter of the coming together of the blood-washed saints, Hebrews calls them the just men made perfect or complete, is such a holy thought. And to think or to feel that you don't need the fellowship of believers is without a doubt to go against all that's taught in Scripture. Uh, By the way, let me affix a little add-on. If you don't like the church, guess who that puts you in company with? I know, listen, I know the church on earth has its share of problems. It has its share of pain, and it also has the the ever-famous hypocrites. But it is still His Church, and you are needed, and you need it. Now, how is faith community going to thrive, you ask? Well, I'll be very happy to tell you how it will survive. And yes, not only survive, but thrive. Let me give you a few things to ponder. First, I want to pick up on some things we read in Scripture there in Acts 2. The apostles' doctrine, Acts 2.42, or their teaching. You see, these people learned the teaching of the apostles, which to us is the word of God. They didn't go by feelings alone. They didn't go by, by uh, emotionalism. They didn't go by the latest styles or trends. They gave serious place to discipleship. And notice the intensity of it. They continued steadfastly and noticed the beauty of it, teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. So yes, as we grow in grace, we must certainly have clear, consecrated and concentrated study of doctrines because if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. If I were, for instance, to ask you to turn to the book of Hezekiah and you started trying to find it but you were having some difficulty, well, you know, if you've been saved for three months or six months, maybe even a year, I would say, well, that's no problem, I understand. If you've been saved three years or maybe five years, I'd, I'd sort of question why you're still looking for the book of Hezekiah. But if you've been saved 10 years or 13 years or 15 years or more, I'm telling you something is not right if you don't realize right off the bat there is no book of Hezekiah. So you see, first, we need the apostles' teaching, and secondly, we need fellowship, verse 46 of Acts 2. Because fellowship shapes The truth is, who you hang around with shapes your thinking, it shapes your talking, it shapes your actions and often reactions, and it shapes even your destiny. I like this quote from author Charlie Jones. It's pretty simple. But he says, the difference between who you are today and who you will be in five years will be the people you spend time with and the books you read. Ah, I like that. Fellowship not only shapes, it also sharpens. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That we learn from Proverbs 27 and verse 17. When we fellowship together, it helps us to learn. We learn quicker, we learn easier, and we actually learn better. And I think we take in and retain things better. So fellowship shapes, and fellowship sharpens, and fellowship secures. And here it is in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Some of my favorite writing in all of Scripture. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Listen to this but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. In plain language, when we fall down, if we are walking in fellowship, it is much safer. I I need to repeat that. Bear is repeating. If we fall down and we've been walking in fellowship, it is much safer. So we have doctrine. We have fellowship. And thirdly, prayer. Verse 42, church, if we are going to thrive as a body of Jesus' followers, it'll be wrought through prayer. And not just individual prayer, which is needed, and I need it, and you need it, all of us need it, but also corporate prayer as well. And then fourthly, there is that sense of the miraculous, verse 43. If we expect to thrive, we need that miraculous touch of God. Notice that phrase in verse 43, and fear or awe came upon every soul. You see, I still think that there needs to be a certain degree of reverence in a church body if it's going to survive and thrive. I believe that God is waiting to do the miraculous in our midst as a local gospel ministry. A ministry with a global concern for souls everywhere. The fifth thing that I want to mention is unity. And we see that in Acts 2 verses 44 through 46. There's just so much more we can do when we get together. For the common good and for the glory of our wonderful Savior. Mark this down. We are better together. In fact, this whole thing of unity is so crucial that God's word says that we ought to guard against those who try to cause strife and discord in the church. And you can read that in Romans chapter 16, especially down in verses 17 and 18. Dr. Robert G. Lee, in his very first sermon at the great Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, many years ago, uh, he spoke of that event in his memoirs that the text for that sermon was taken right from the book of Judges, chapter 20, and verse 11, which says, So all the Israelites got together and united as one against the city. And this, of course, is the prelude to a great battle and a great victory for Israel, but he highlighted and preached on that particular text as he opened his ministry of many years in that famous church. So all the Israelites got together and united as one against the the city. Now, That's unity. Unity is so important. Oneness in Christ. And then number six, giving. Notice verse 45 of our text passage, Acts 2. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. In other words, (laughs) this is a very giving church we see. And if we're going to be a church that thrives and if you're going to be a Christian who thrives, you're going to have to develop, we all are, a cheerful, generous, radical idea and attitude toward giving, which many of you, I believe, probably already have been growing and practicing in that area. And before closing, we almost always seem to hearken back to this point, we always seem to find a way to get back to point number seven, which is worship. And Acts 2.47 again says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the the church daily uh, such as should be saved. Here's the key to it all, friends. We need each other. I don't know if I said that before, so let me repeat it. We need each other. Yes, we need each other. So let's commit to pray for one another. Let's commit to provoke one another to good works. Let's commit to confess our faults to one another, that we may be healed, and to say, oh, I was glad when they said... Let us go to the house of the Lord. Beloved, for faith community fellowship to truly thrive, I wonder, will you continue in the apostles' teaching and discipleship? Will you engage in fellowship with others? Will you pray like everything depends on that prayer investment? Will you continually anticipate the miraculous touch of God? Will you humbly walk in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Will you radically give and will you immerse your private life, your, pub, your public life and your church life in heartfelt worship? And now, will you kindly join me in a spirit and an attitude of prayer. Let's pray together just now. Thrive, thrive, thrive. The question again, what kind of church would this one be if all our members were just like me? Today, my friend, I invite you to turn to Jesus and put your confident faith and trust in Him to be your Savior. Today, I invite you to reset your spiritual direction. I invite you to recommit to reverence and support of your precious church fellowship. I think these things are all so very important. And will you respond in faith this moment to live to serve and to act in such a way as to survive and beyond that to truly thrive. Will you do it? Well, I bless and encourage you and I thank you for your decisions today and I ask for the power and peace and joy of heaven to fall upon you, each one. And I ask all of this in the loving life-changing name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, thrive, thrive. Amen.